Parsons. Hi. Put down that whiskey, because it is time to give us your best Will Smith impression of him saying, welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. That was a hearty welcome. I would come aboard. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's about, right? He's basically the tourism ambassador for Earth. It's obvious you're very familiar with this film. Oh, yeah. Speaking of tourism ambassador to Earth, welcome to the visitor center that is ID4 Minutes at a Time, the only podcast dedicated to analyzing, scrutinizing, and celebrating the 1996 Roland Emmerich masterpiece, Independence Day, four minutes at a time. I am but one of your co-hosts, Kenny Madison, and along with me are my co-hosts and best friends in the whole wide world, Lulu Nagel. Tyler Bryce. Tyler, would you introduce our guest today, please? Sure, I'd love to. Sometime in the mid-90s, a friend of mine who was in my comedy troupe started training kids at Austin High to be a comedy sports troupe. And in that first batch of kids, there was one who went by the name of Joe King. Um, And so this guest that we have uh, started with Comedy Sports High School League sometime in the mid-90s, and he has been a friend since then. Uh, He's probably best known for his work with the Pancakes, and he's a heck of a guy. Hey, guys, I'm really pleased to bring Joe Parsons to the program. Hi, Joe. Hi, guys. Wow, that was quite the fanfare. Yeah, it was 1995 or 1994, something like that. Oh, you want to pinch your cheeks. You were always like the younger one around, but now I feel like we're all the same age now. I know. Isn't it funny? I I always think about that as being like, uh, I mean, I'm not the youngest one anywhere anymore. Right. And when you think you're the same age as the younger people... Because a lot of times I'm with younger people and I think they probably see me as the same age as they are. And no, they don't. <laughs> I think I am. But they're like creepy old lady. If you get a little too edgy, you gotta watch yourself. Well, how cruel is time? Time can be such a cruel mistress, especially when talking about the waning hours of our favorite film, Independence Day, including minutes 120 to 124, minutes 120 through 124 start with the ending of last week's four minutes, no spoilers, Mm. Lulu, and ends with our favorite Adam Pascal and his friends urgently shouting into their headsets. Oh, you gave nothing away with that preview. Look, Lulu, we had such a cliffhanger with last week's four minutes, and I did not want to spoil. Joe, they shot at the ship last week, like, and then cut off. Sorry, what was that, Lulu? (laughs) <laughs> and then it cut off Excellent. wait adam pascal is in this movie he's an extra oh i thought that are you a big adam pascal head i mean i know who he is he's he was in the i i saw him in the original broadway production of rent what what year was that because i saw rent on broadway 1997 no this is 2006 <laughs> <laughs> he's probably not there anymore sure his knees don't work anymore so before we get too much into this, Joe, Kenny and I, old hat with a movie. We've seen it a dozen times each. If it's on, we'll watch it. Lulu saw this movie in the theaters, but does not remember a word of it. She is constantly surprised because she watched it nearly 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Joe, what's your relationship to this movie? What What is the age of your hat that you are wearing in regards to this movie? Oh, it's well, it, not only did I see it in the theater, probably more than once uh, when it came out, but um, we mocked this movie as a part of Master Pancake Theater. So I have seen this movie hundreds of times. Um, oh, wow. 
I feel like I have a very intimate relationship with every frame ever shot of this movie. Yeah, all the nuance. I could probably just recite recite the whole movie word for word. Okay, go on. Okay, here we go. So, all right. Uh, we open on a scene of a major metropolitan city as uh, clouds roll in. It's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum rides his bicycle into a crowded office space that's in chaos. As he rolls past the Fruitopia machine, he looks at a stack <laughs> of papers and... Um, I like that you've adopted a Casey Kasem affectation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my Will Forte impression. I do a Will Forte impression that is only based on his appearance on Parks and Rec when he is reciting all of Twilight from memory. So I don't know why that's what was my go-to on that. Go on. I know it. It's the only one I do. So, <laughs> so it's my Will Forte. He goes, we open on a deer drinking from a pool of crystal clear water. <laughs> wow, that's so good. <laughs> that's it. I can't do any other Will Forte than that. Good job, Joe. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. There it is. <laughs> That's outstanding. That's awesome. I'm not doing any more dedication. And yes, she's really married to me. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you're the kind of person, Lulu, that watched this movie, it was just kind of on TBS in the background while you were doing your taxes. Yeah, you're you're in for a treat. I don't even know where we are in the movie yet, so... Well, they just made their first shot at the mothership. Not the mothership, but the, one of the little guys. And Jeff Goldblum's inside the mothership with Will Smith in the alien craft. Oh, wait. No, don't say anything. Okay. They just got docked to the mothership. Oh, he's... Okay. Oh, so we're, we're all the way over there. Gotcha. Well, we are indeed all the way over there. Well, because they do shoot at the spaceship before that. But that's when oh, they right, discover right, it. Right, right, like, right. That's what I yeah. thought you were talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah, we yeah. think we've uploaded the virus and taken down okay. their shields. And we've just. Yes. Inexplicably so. Oh, it's it's been litigated at length, Joe Parsons. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to rehash that the old Internet debate about why their Mac is compatible with the spaceship when it's not compatible with anything. <laughs> uh, it's compatible Earth. with satellites. Never mind. <laughs> it's backwards compatible. Joe. It's we've backwards compatible. About it. uh, Lulu. Mm. Oh, yeah. Lulu. Mm-hmm. Lulu. Yep. I'm sorry, is it, is it too weird that I'm now picturing one of the aliens, but in a turtleneck, standing in front of a giant saying, Hello! <laughs> and, and like bringing up the latest technology every year um, as yes. they have a Steve Jobs equivalent who introduces the, the latest tech every year. Yeah. I'm sorry. If... Oh, by the way. Yes. One more thing. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I think disrupt would be a word they would use a lot. Absolutely. Like, we are disrupting the entire economy of the U.S. Ah, thunderous applause on the spaceship. Uh, as a giant alien beam just comes down and destroys Cupertino. Yes. And if we, as we see in the sequel, they actually do that. They introduce technology that changes the world. And we're not going to talk about the sequel. It's wild. But Lulu, we're not here to talk about the sequel. We're here to talk about your predictions of what you think is going to be happening in these four minutes, in a little segment that we like to call Lulu's Predictions. Lulu's Predictions! Oh, wow! wow. <laughs> yeah. Was that a record scratch as it went off the record? <laughs> oh, wait, no, Joe Parsons, can you introduce this Lulu's Prediction segment as Casey Kasem? <laughs> uh, coming in at number four, it's Lulu's Predictions. 
She was a small Midwestern girl who settled in to take the world by storm. Here is her predictions on what happens in the next four minutes of Independence Day. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Well done. Lulu, and of course, give us a good sound effect if you recognize any of these predictions. First one, uh, Clyde the Pac-Man ghost is heading to the mothership on its side, or we're going to experience fertilization. It gets in there, hits the wall, rocks the ship. It's going to be affected, but it's not going to be a one-kill shot. Very good. The tiny Nat ships are going to start engaging our military. Not as sure on that one. I know, I'm not as sure as that one. Someone has to die, but it's not going to be in the next four minutes. Maybe some of those extras. We're going to see Eric Pascal put his head in his hands. Inside, you're really sure about that one for some reason. I know. Inside the Dirt Dauber mothership, they've uploaded the virus. They're going to knock on the door and tell them, hey, we know you're not aliens. We can hear your thoughts. Let's say they knock and our heroes try to get away. (laughs) Randy Quaid has a dogfight with an alien and... Hold on, I got to back away from the microphone. He wins! (laughs) He's got to come home because this is his redemptive arc. Those kids don't have a life insurance policy to fall back on. Oh, it's irresponsible. We haven't seen Vivica A. Fox or Constance. Did they make them leave the room like when their person has surgery? Like they said, you can't come in here, ma'am. We're having a war. That one just makes me mad if they did. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, we're going to see a lot of pew, 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 and a lot of evasive maneuvers. Yes. Excellent. Anything else that we need to establish before we go watch these four minutes, Walt? Kenny, if you remember, at the end of the last four minutes, we had a missile that was heading towards the ship, and I, I asked how she thought that was going to... I think you mean Lulu. Lulu. There was a missile that was heading towards the ship, and I asked Lulu, Lulu. Uh, what was going to happen I with think that. you mean... Stop it! <laughs> Let him finish. Let's go. So, Lulu, do, do you remember what you thought was going to happen, or have you modified what you think is going to happen with that missile that's on its way? I think that what you ended up saying was that you think it's going to hit, but it's not going to take down the ship. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to call attention to that one because we are about to jump straight in and see where that's picking up. Lulu has been on pins and needles since last week. I keep trying to do a bad Casey Kasem impression now that I've heard Joe Parsons do that voice. Lulu's been on pins and needles. I'm better at doing Shadow Stevens. (laughs) Oh my God, that's great. (laughs) Maybe you should do Wolfgang Jack. Yeah. All right, Wolfgang Jack. Uh, Wolfgang Jack is the chef that prepares Wolfgang things. Jack. <laughs> He's the German counterpart. All right, baby, we're making a sweet potato pizza. How often? How many times in the next four minutes do you think uh, Robert Loja is going to go? My God! <laughs> Twice. My God. Mm-hmm. Ugh, Loja's so good in this movie. Now let's go watch Robert Loja do his thing right after this sound cue. Ah! Just get, I feel so angry and I have nowhere to put it. <laughs> what, what makes you angry? Because I can't find out what happened for another week. <laughs> 
Look, this is the way that people like Georges Méliès and the Lumiere brothers and Thomas Edison, whenever they invented film, they thought, now, if someone would just watch Strongman lifting weights, but a minute at a time. Well, in those days, literally they did. I think they couldn't spool film longer than four minutes. Sure, they were listening to Strongman lifting weights 15 seconds at a time and just going. And like those early, early audiences, when that airplane is flying directly at us, I got really scared, screamed, and ran out of the theater. Yeah, I started shooting at my computer. (laughs) I believed it. Wow, you guys. I believed that it was a failure at first because that first Clyde the Pac-Man ghost shot hit the green force field, and everyone was like, oh, man, the virus didn't work. Abort, abort, which is illegal now, apparently in many states. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. Hot take. We're really getting into it on this movie podcast. (laughs) And and the president's like, nope, hold on now. Let me try one more time. I believe in this vehicle's right to attack that vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, no, Mr. President, don't do it. Eagle one. You know, and then he says, what is he calls it? A fox? Was it Fox three? Fox three. Eagle one, Fox three. So what's Fox 3? Is that- that's, the, that's the missile he's shooting. Is the, the missiles are foxes. Okay. He's shooting number three out of his arsenal. Where were the other two? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they sh- they've got, I think, four? Because Brandy Quaid launched Fox 2. By the way, not that anybody knows this or cares, but the thing that really upsets me the most about this movie is how much Randy Quaid in this movie looks like my dad. What? I mean, spit an image. <laughs> no. My dad at the time and in this movie, my dad looks exactly like if Randy Quaid and Alan Alda had a baby. Oh, no. And what's weird is that your dad is also getting chased by Star Whackers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can you send us a picture of your dad for our our Facebook page so we can put a poll up? <laughs> I'll try. Can you send us he... a picture of Alan Alda and Randy Quaid attempting to make a baby? Can you send <laughs> you us that, that as too? well? <laughs> I'd be eager to get my hands on that sex tape. I have that video, but we can only watch it four minutes at a time. <laughs> Please. And I, in the middle of it, he needs to say, tell Jeff hi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the end of our last podcast. Ah, Star Whackers! So, Randy Quaid then zooms up behind the president. He's like, we got it, Mr. President! We're new best friends! Me and you. <laughs> you! Nobody else is assisting the president, following him, you know, speaking to him directly on the comms. It's Randy Quaid. The score just comes in big and bold right there, and I literally got chills. Just so much manipulation right there, and I'm all for it. It was Clearly, so cool. nobody in this movie has ever played a video game, because this spaceship that they're shooting at is one giant flat circle, and there's a thing right in the middle of it, exactly centered on the bottom side that faces all of the people, that is a big green glowing bullseye. Weak spot. In the exact center of this thing, and they're like, huh, maybe, you know what? Try shooting at that thing. Maybe this will do something. I, I don't know why this is a new idea. To I mean, it's... to be fair, Joe Parsons, Robert Loja does seem like he's in charge of the military, and I don't even think that Robert Loja knows what a video game is. That's a point. great point. It's not his generation. Sir, they seem to be eating these little white dots. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have we tried moving the paddle up to where we think the dot's going to go? Sir, what's here? Our space invaders. <laughs> Sir, there's a giant floating cherry. I think we should eat it. <laughs> oh, that was me, guys. That was Lulu. I don't know if you knew because I do a pretty mean Robert Lotion. Yeah, I thought he played just... more of the movie. I thought he played more of the movie. Okay, so Quaid locks in and fires um, Fox 2, and it goes in, and they begin evasive maneuvers. Oh, wait. I got to state this note that I wrote down because whenever that first missile hits from Bill Pullman, it's very clear that it's a direct hit because everyone starts cheering. And then Robert Lozier goes, it's a direct hit. <laughs> like we, we just saw it. Everyone in the control room knows that it just hit. But Robert Lozier still has to restate it. Who Who is that for? He has to say it because... Adam Baldwin is currently still working with the people upstairs <laughs> and they have to have someone from the military say something that is officially military. Yeah, that's right. He's the John Madden of this war where he is just he's just stating things that are blatantly obvious the whole time. Like, well, the key to this football game is the guy who's going to win more points. It seems like the ultimate mansplaining event. That missile is going to take down the spaceship if we get enough hits. Like, Thank you. <laughs> we get it. My God. And then Quaid says his big line payback is a <laughs> He's so happy. Okay, so then we put, we do go outside where all the RV friends are, and Constance is up there. What is she doing up there? She's helping get people inside. She's Yeah, she's delivering aid, I think. She's like... Perhaps so. They have her going around with a tray of Rice Krispie treats and oh. welcoming all of our RV friends to this <laughs> giant summer blowout at the RV center. It was her idea to go get the people, so obviously she's got to go get the people. But Quaid's son somehow is in the war room. Yeah. They, apparently they have an open-door policy in the uh, command center. It bothers me a lot, where they have that kid wandering around, he's like, it's my dad. It's like, get out of here. I know. What are you doing in here? And then the president's daughter, who again is never supervised or buckled in mm -hmm. or even paid attention to it all, is sitting in the hallway with Vivica A plus Fox's kid. Where's she been? And not only that, but Judd Hirsch is already with a group of children. Yes. Yeah. Judd Hirsch. Worst part of this movie. And look, I love Judd Hirsch. I hate his character in this movie. He just complains the whole time. He's playing a stereotype it's it's is problematic he, is he playing a stereotype i had i had no idea it's just I, of a middle-aged paper salesman he's, it's just a super subtle performance very nuanced and just yeah. kind of a sensitive you know the word nebbish is thrown around a lot these days is it is it? Is it? I, i'm googling it right now <laughs> i never heard that word oh, no don't google that <laughs> No? no? Do I have to take safe search off? Yeah, oh, big, big time. Do it on your neighbor's computer. Okay. Um, <clears throat> which apparently you can use their Amazon to do that now. Okay. They're all connecting. Have you guys heard about this? I have what? heard about this. Tyler, are you going to put this in your tight five? I No, I'm not. Are you hearing about this? You heard about this? Yeah, hey, uh, what's, uh, what's the deal with this uh, Amazon uh, analog, analog computer there? Uh, have you seen this? Now, Joe, if you're if you're going to go ahead and do your best impression of Jay Leno, it might be appropriate for me to now introduce my Jay Leno impression to our audience. We're, we're a lot of episodes in. I believe this was introduced in our first episode, but you you've held on to it. And now we're starting to 
Much like this movie, knock down the dominoes that have been established in this show, Tyler. Wait, are you going to do Jay Leno's impression of Joe? Ooh. You know, this is a pure Jay Leno. This is as pure a Jay Leno as I can do. As a fan of the Johnny Carson Tonight Show, this is my best Jay Leno. All right. Are you guys I'm ready? Are you guys ready? Pins and needles. Here we go. <laughs> Jay Leno's orgasm. Yes, I was say, tell Jeff hi. <laughs> and that's my best Jay Leno. Oh man, that's that's pretty accurate. If you're gonna bring Jay Leno to my set, <laughs> you gotta come prepared to play to my set. <laughs> yeah not a not a not a fan i um not a fan all that was set up for a judge ito joke i mean yeah exactly i hate to hate to come in guns blazing and try to <laughs> take down jay leno unexpectedly but yeah here he is like that guy first of all i'll never forget what he did to conan he i don't think ever really apparently he was at the uh office at the tonight show for he would work 14 hours a day. He would get there at like 6 a.m. So Leno or Conan? Leno. Sure. That, but work to me, like he'd sit there and just craft this monologue every day and like do all this stuff. And I, I mean, call me crazy. I don't see the, I don't see the work in the end product. <laughs> but everybody, everybody always commented how he was just in there, just, you know, sweating with all of the writers and doing all this stuff. But then he'd be like, hey, uh, you seen this, uh, you seen this thing about the uh, alien invasion? Uh, yeah, they really ought to call Monica Lewinsky for comment. Uh, <laughs> it was like Perfect. he would just go to exactly you go to OJ or Monica Lewinsky and it was all just one low hanging fruit. Lulu, what's your opinion of Judge Ito? Um, yeah, he has a very well groomed hair and that's all I have. Um, can we also talk about how in Independence Day? Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum are now on the spaceship and uh, they're trying to leave. They're trying to exit the spaceship after having delivered a payload. And they try to do this by just kind of jiggling the spaceship within its little docking harness. And it's uh, it's real dumb. Yeah, give it a, <laughs> Come on, Jeff, give it a jiggle. Jiggle it harder, Jeff. I, go faster, harder. Do it. I pulled out the thing and it doesn't work, so we're done. <laughs> Although I do love it whenever Goldblum just goes, Steve, Steve, Steve. I don't know what it is. I just, I, I, it's so weird that Will Smith's name in this movie is just Steve. Steve. I know. It doesn't fit at all. Steve. We're stuck. It's stuck. And the alien head is like, got his tech up and he's like, <laughs> let's do this. And he's turning the ship around and he's poking me to different different technology controls to make the bay doors come open, you know, and just with them for a little bit. Now, would it be a spoiler if I, it hasn't happened yet in your watch, Lulu, but uh, there is a line, there's a line coming up that Jeff Goldblum has that is a line he uses in Jurassic Park. Mm. Oh yeah, no, I don't want it. I don't want it spoiled. 
Okay, all right. Not I won't spoil it. it in this week's predictions. <laughs> do, should we? Do you want to talk about that, Joe Parsons? Does Lulu need to take her earphones out? Hey, I won't mention it, but I will say it. It turns Jeff Goldblum into a uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger type actor who has a catchphrase across multiple properties. Hmm. So now he develops his own like actor catchphrase that he works into various movies. Oh, interesting. And I think he's done it three times in three different movies. Wow. What is the third movie that he's worked it into? I think it's Jurassic Park 3. When they're he's being... not in Jurassic Park 3. He's in 2. Is he in 2 or 3? He's in 2, and he's also technically in Fallen Kingdom. That's true, but he's, it's not in that one. He's not running from anything in Fallen Kingdom. He's running from the law. Yeah. He's... <laughs> okay, wait. So they're they're trying to... What did you call it? Disengage or disembark? Or they're trying to be released from the docking station inside the ship. Take them, take them down, take them out. No, they they try one maneuver to get out, and then they go. Oh. Yeah, we're stuck. Yeah. We're, Guys, we're stuck. Nineteen ninety six, and the aliens have iPads again. This whole Steve Jobs theory is working because he touches the screen to manipulate the thing. Steve, we need turtlenecks. Well, I actually want to go back to the mobile home friends or the RV friends mm. because there is a life lesson in there that RVs and mobile homes aren't good in tornadoes and they're not stable in alien attacks. Number one. It's true. Number two, they all get in that elevator and the doors are shutting and they're being shot at. And I don't know if you know this, but I have a pretty intense fear of elevators because I was locked in a closet when I was a kid by my friend's older brother for a long time. And that moment was actually scarier to me than everything else put together. I'm like, there's a crowd of people in an elevator and the doors are going shut and you're being shot out. You know the electricity is going to go out and they're going to get stuck in there. And someone's going to have to poop. We are really getting a, a peek behind the curtain here. Yeah. I think technically that was a kidnapping. Oh. <laughs> we were irritating him and her, her, her mother was somewhere like running an errand. And we were playing the piano really loud and then hiding in a little craft closet with now, all the shelves were just filled with crafts and the door opened outward and the light wouldn't work, you know, the pull light. Mm-hmm. So we're in there and we, we've done it twice. And he's come in and yelled, shut up. What are you doing? You got to stop. You know, the third time we didn't hear anything. And so we tried to get out of the closet. We could open it like an inch. He shoved the couch up against the door of the closet. And we were in this dark little closet. I don't know how long until the mom came home, maybe 45 minutes, but in a little kid's brain, I was like, I'm going to die in here. And no one's going to know where I am. I'm going to be parents are going to be so sad because I just disappeared, you know? Oh my God. Major panic. And I couldn't even shut my own bathroom door for years after that. Never mind locks. I can ride an elevator now. I have strategies. How, how old were you when this happened? I must've been eight or eight or nine, maybe. Wow. And how old was he? Oh, he was, four or five years older he was big so he's he'd gone through adolescence so maybe he was 15 or 16 so not quite old enough to be tried as as an adult right right what are your may may i ask what your strategies for riding an elevator are (laughs) well before cell phones bring a diaper bring a diaper you always need your diaper uh, so i went from one job to another and the hardest part about this new job was i had to ride elevators in the omni hotel up and down because one side was business, but they had two glass ones. I'm fine in a glass elevator. Good in that. So I would wait for, I would punch, like run in, punch the button, hit like 13 floor and make the non-glass ones go up without me. And I'd get on the glass one. 
but you have to do that and not get caught because you look like a freak. <laughs> but nowadays I have my phone and I stand by the panel, you know, if I needed to. And if I'm alone, I can peer. I hate riding alone. I like to ride with somebody else. And sometimes I'll just ask somebody to ride it with me. But if I'm alone, you, you can look a certain way in between the elevator doors, the crack and see the floors going yeah, by. Yeah, that helps. Totally. It's like, I'm not stuck. I'm still moving. Because, you know, some elevators, when they stop, it feels like you've stopped, but they're really just doing that very slow, minute adjustment to be even with the floor. And that's when I panic, like the doors aren't opening, but we've stopped. But if you can see through the door that it's still adjusting, you can relax. I'm like, don't panic yet. <sighs> wow. Fascinating. I mean, we should talk for another hour mm-hmm. and I should make my hourly rate to hear this. Do you have some help to give me? Because I'm, I'm about to go to Colorado and ride in a gondola, which is another one of those spaces. And I've been, I've been reading. I just bought. It's got windows. No, I know. But you're up in the air. You can't get out. It's about being trapped. Like you couldn't get out if you wanted to. And no one, like, I don't know. Well, I don't know that I have anything that can help you other than encouraging you to find the tools to help yourself. I, well, I put in my Amazon basket um, some lady pea cups <laughs> lately <laughs> and a thermal like foil blanket in case we're stuck up there at night and we're cold. And I read some horror stories about people stuck in gondolas, which I should have done. This is fascinating to me. I, I don't feel like there's, I mean, a glass elevator is fine, but you're saying if the glass elevator stopped, it would be scary. I mean, I wouldn't like it, but at least people could see me and I could be like, help, help. And then they could be like, we're, we're sending you help. <laughs> but a gondola, I mean, that would be the same thing, right? Just think, no. just repeat to yourself. This is like a glass elevator. No, I can always signal to people just... if I get stuck. But I, you're not connected to the ground, really. You're just dangling dangling up there on a long they are capable of rescuing people from gondolas they are i've read about it takes hours <laughs> <laughs> there's rappelling involved in some sort of safety seat i don't know ah! and why do they make them airtight so you've only got a limited amount of oxygen inside the gondola stop tyler they have holes but that, if i could open a window but why I'd do they better. make the holes big enough for someone to fall through I just picture myself like <laughs> through the hole. Why do they make the holes exactly big enough for buzzards to come in through the roof? <laughs> <laughs> and only boys can pee out those holes. What's a girl going to do? I mean, I probably just curl up and die. I oh. think that's really all there is to do. It's going to happen. See, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to know I won't die, but I will. I'm afraid of the terror I'll feel. So it's just yeah. about being afraid of being afraid. Well, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had a famous quote about that, where he said, he said, screw you losers, let's party. And I try <laughs> I to take that to every interaction. I don't really remember that quote. Well, I, I don't think let's party was quite... I think that's a part of his... I think that was, that's the one that applies here, right? I don't think, it was. I don't think that he said that at all. Mm-hmm. That's not... I don't... So speaking of enclosed quarters where they can't get out, Steve and David are trapped... <laughs> Steve! Uh, ...inside the ship that's clamped into the dock and, and they're just, they're trapped. They're in the dirt dauber. In the dirt dauber. Dauber. Dirt dauber. <laughs> Murder dirter. <laughs> wait, wait, we've been wondering where Nimziki is and he makes an appearance. Yeah, I guess he's just loitering around Area 51. Yeah, they're like, first time? <laughs> first time of what? First time for an alien invasion? 
Yeah, everyone, share your feelings. (laughs) There is an important character moment that we got to watch right here, though, which is that Julius is praying with people and for people. He is talking to God again. Bring the yarmulke. Which he had renounced and told David about, right? I haven't talked to God since your mother died. Well, guess what? Now's the time. We're getting to watch him come to a point where he's accepting of what he feels is his tradition and he's moving forward with it. So, And don't you, he's wearing, he's wearing Jeff's yarmulke. Yes. It feels a little cheap, you know, no atheist in a foxhole. It's, it's like, ah, I'll repent on my deathbed. It's fine. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> I also like, he's like, let's all hold hands. And Nimzi's like, what? Yeah. And then he's like, I'm, what if, I'm not Jewish or whatever he says. He's like, well, everybody has flaws. Yeah. <laughs> it was a funny little thing. And then Zicky Zing. And guys, we're running out of missiles. I know, right? We're running out of missiles and that thing is moving into position and it's arming its primary weapon it's about to take a big alien poop on them mm-hmm. area 51 you guys what else is happening in this clip we've got randy quaid he's in there firing uh missiles fox mm-hmm. two in the morning that's right the aliens have come out to shoot back at them and our missiles are now effective on them but there's so many of them. And they're so much more maneuverable. Right, than ours. Ours yeah. are like, evasive maneuvers, evasive maneuvers. And we're all in this big flock. I don't know how they're going to evasively maneuver without crashing into each other or the other gnats coming at them. Yeah, real formations of jets likely do not stay that packed together. They're oh, so dense. But that's okay. And yet, according to the audio commentary from the VFX team, those tight formations are based on training videos that the filmmakers actually watched. Wow. So those are based on actual military formations. I take issue with this movie's assumption that the only way to shoot at a big spaceship like that is from a plane. There's never mm-hmm. any surface to, you know, surface to, to air fire. Missiles. There's no yeah. tanks, no, no other like rockets of any kind. See, this is interesting, Joe Parsons, because I think this is one of the great dogfight movies. And I think. And there's just not enough dogfighting in movies, period, because dogfights are cool. This is not academic. I have no empirical evidence that would prove my standpoint, but I think dogfights are the coolest thing. Yeah, they're very cool. I think there should be more planes shooting at things and banking and flying fast and shooting more things. But I will say in the real world, I feel like they would put a lot of this more on the Navy to shoot missiles from submarines and stuff at these guys. I'm no Robert Loja, but I feel like they can shoot missiles and rockets and stuff like that a lot further than, you know, a couple hundred feet at a time. Right. I mean, like a lot bigger because you you don't have to carry it around in the air. It's just on a ship or in the ground. But if I could counter, please, the planes can wobble and they can Mm -hmm. go fast. And then they, someone, if they get close to an enemy, they get too close, they have to yell, pull up, pull up, which is always a fun thing to do. <laughs> and then sometimes they do loop-de-loos and they do barrel rolls. And it, but as of yet, all of those maneuvers have proven ineffective against these aliens. So yeah, why but not? they need to do more loop-de-loos. But like, they have reason to believe that now the shields are down and they can they can affect these spaceships. Why not shoot a giant ICBM at them from the middle of the Pacific ocean? Nuke one that's on its way across the ocean or nuke one. That's like, there's no opportunity for nicknames or handles. Mm. 
Good point. Or loop-de-loos. Or loop-de-loos. Loop-de-loo-loos. I did read something about Independence Day. Nice. I know. <laughs> I was like, please don't spoil anything. But the U.S. military, they had support from the U.S. military, which when you're a movie and you get support from the military. military as long as you, you make get, them look good. Yeah, you get strategy, you get equipment, you get uniforms, you get all that stuff. And they were going to allow them to film at military bases. Their only requirement of the movie was don't reference Area 51. Wow. And the filmmakers were like, nope, that's an important part. And that's where we're going to be. And then they were like, well, we, we don't support you then. And they said, that's fine with us. Which is insane because this movie is so pro-military. It really is. It's absolutely pro-Adam Baldwin being the guy in the military who does everything. Yeah. sit <laughs> there shuffling people around, searching hustle. It's great that Adam Baldwin is also personally grabbing Goldblum's ex-wife. Like Baldwin is so just in touch with everything that's important going on. And he's just like, this person's in danger. I'm already there. Except the president's daughter. Indeed. I am kind of surprised that they didn't mirror the shot with the dog jumping from the explosions as they were running into Area 51 and there were explosions happening in the hangar. They could have had a dog jump and, you know, barely (laughs) missed the flames. Boomer the dog is just always jumping away from some sort of fiery carnage. That's right. Speaking of film scholarship, though, Tyler, I did notice whenever Adam Baldwin is kind of forcing the elevator door closed Mm -hmm. and there's the camera shakes. And then the next shot is of Goldblum and Will Smith shaking in the alien ship. And I thought that was a really clever match cut. And I thought of you, buddy. Oh, thank you. Because you're a film scholar. Yeah, I I am. Clearly. Um, You know, one thing that we haven't really discussed, though, is our Jeffcon scale. I mean, we got we oh, got yeah. Jeff Goldblum in this scene. He's basking in the afterglow of his nerdliness, and he's sitting with Steve. 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 And the two of them are having a rough time. The Jeffcon scale, of course, works the same way as the Defcon scale, where Defcon five means all clear, one means wartime. Jeffcon five, hey, it's Jeff Goldblum. Jeffcon one, hey, it's Jeff Goldblum. So. Lulu, where where does Jeff Goldblum fall on the Jeff Con scale for you this week? I believe that he <laughs> he's a Def Con four or five because he's a bit nebbish. Okay. Would you like to know the definition of nebbish? A person, especially a man, who is regarded as pitifully ineffectual, timid, or submissive. He's not. I mean, he did upload the virus with his compatible Mac. To the alien. Mm-hmm. It just works. Firmware. And it worked. But now he can't get the spaceship dislodged and fly away. And he's like, come on, come on, Steve, make it happen. You well, know, see, like, but that's not his fault. That is, that's Will Smith's fault. He should have foreseen it. He's the scientist, the technology guy. Wow. Why did he really assume we're going to fly in there and fly right back out without being impeded? So you think he should have said, hey, Will Smith, have you tried turning it off and back on again? Right. Run the defrag and the scan disc. Get it going. (laughs) Replace the wiper fluid. Um, Do something. I will say, I think he gets points in this scene because the way he says Steve Mm. is so bro-y that he gets a little added masculinity boost. Okay. that's Well, then I'll go from the five to the four. So, Joe, where is he on the Jeffcon scale for you? Five being least Jeff, one being most Jeff. Um, I think he's a, he's a two for me in this scene. This is one of my favorite scenes of his because even though this is a tense situation, he's keeping his composure 
he is confident that he knows that he's done the good job. And then when he's like, um, hide. It's so, it's so like, Oh, I forgot about that. It's just so cool the way he does it. I love that line. And it's, uh, it's, it's charming. You're right. He's all charming this scene for me. I do like the humor in that. I forgot that line. Okay. I'll give him a three. Wow. Hide. Can I sell you on a two? Keep going. (laughs) Uh, his hair. He's looking especially dewy in this scene. Dewey. That's his that's his flop sweat. Yeah, I guess he's wearing the flight suit in this one, which is also kind of a macho thing. So Lulu, since he's now at a Jeffcon three, how would you rewrite this scene to mm. where we get him at a Jeffcon one? He grabs Will Smith by the back of the collar and get says, up. Get up! Let me see. Let me see. Wow. And Will Smith they trade seats and he starts punching buttons and pulling levers and he's like there. That's how you back out a spaceship. Wow. And then they leave. Lulu likes a take charge aggro <laughs> macho no. dude. Yeah. You mean he grows food? What does aggro mean? Aggressive. <laughs> Aggressively pushy and Oh. Because Oxford said it's agricultural. I didn't know if he meant like he was growing corn somewhere. <laughs> you just sit there with a dictionary? I do. I, have <laughs> I feel like he could get more attractive in this scene. I mean, you got to play to your Goldblum strengths, right? He's not going to go and sit there and push guys around. I feel like he gets points if he grabbed Will Smith by the back of the head. And he just said, uh, Steve, uh, yes, yes. Look at me. We're going to uh, get through this together. <laughs> Ooh, so we told good. you no spoilers. We told you no spoilers. <laughs> Is that it? Is that what he says? <laughs> In the next four minutes, we shouldn't uh, say nothing. Ups his face. Lulu, speaking of planting seeds and watching it yield crops, why don't you plant some seeds of predictions and see what will yield in the next four minutes? Oh, gosh. So one of the ships is over Area 51, and it's opened its, <laughs> it's, opened its big colon to take an alien poop. On Area 51. <laughs> and, you know, we we have to figure this out because it's about to laser destroy Area 51 in the same way it's destroyed the White House and all of the iconic places that we love and look to to inspire us as Americans. So well, how are they going to stop that, you guys? Who's going to, like... Is there an Area 51 beam they can beam up, an ICBM or some sort of beam there? Somebody has to come up with something there. See, now you're coming. Now you're asking the right questions. Okay, okay. I think they're going to open up the hatch at the top of Area 51. (laughs) Top. Oh, maybe. No, no, I retract. I believe that it's going to be Star Wars style where some of the U.S. ships are going to fly straight up into that spaceship and deploy their last Fox for missile and uh, destroy it from within. But mm. good thing they're underground because that spaceship's going to come crumbling down in a very catastrophic way. And I hope that elevator makes it down to the 27th floor, wherever they are. And they, someone grabs the president's daughter. What if I told you that all the people in that crowded elevator are trapped there forever? And they <laughs> oh never gosh. rescued. Makes me That's really what the it. sequel is about, is about trying to get them out and failing. Yeah. It's called Towering Inferno. What if I told you it was the spaceship runs out of gas and just plops right down on top of Mm -hmm. Area 51 and that everyone is trapped in Area 51 with no air or electricity or anything forever? 
as long as there's a little space to walk around, like I could die the slow death. I just don't want to be in a tiny, tiny capsule. <laughs> I can't see out of. Okay. So that's them. We need Baldwin. Baldwin has to do some sort of other task. What could it be? He has, he pulls the big lever to open up the, the doors to shoot the beam out. I don't know. Mm. I got nothing. Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. The alien has opened the bay doors. Does the alien come on the ship? And how do they, do they, okay. The alien comes on the ship and Will Smith gets him in a headlock and they rip off his exoskeleton and they say, get us out of here or we're going to snap your tiny slimy neck. Oh my God. Wow. You really like these macho. I'm going to have to get to know your husband better. We all have to rise to the occasion when our lives and our, and our worlds are threatened, Joe. We're going to have to snap some necks. Watch out, ski gondola. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> uh, okay, so that happens. And then they, they reverse out of there and start to fly home through space. Randy Quaid and the president. Uh, Randy Quaid and the president is also the name of my sitcom that I pitched to NBC. <laughs> Good. Randy Quaid and the president. <laughs> He's protecting the president. I think he's going to make the ultimate sacrifice for keeping the president safe. And he's going to go down in flames and his kids in the war room. And he's going to see it on the little green dot screen somehow. Where is Vivica A plus Fox? What's she doing? Is she trying on more dresses? Yeah, that's what she's doing. Is she looking for another truck to escape in with some people? What's she up to? Is she... Helping Baldwin mobilize the RV friends? I don't know. She was in that last scene. She is on the elevator with Baldwin. Oh, she was? Yeah, she's in there. Yep. She was? Yeah, they showed her. It's Goldblum's girlfriend. Constance. And her and Baldwin are getting people back onto the elevator, and they make it at the last minute. Well, that seems in character for her, because she is a helper who goes in. She's a helper. Right. She's a helper. She helps. Well, she's a stripper with a heart of gold. Heart of Gold Bloom. Well, th- that sounds like a lot of predictions, Glue. That was it. That's what I got. Well, all I have to say is you'd have to be a real idiot to think that any of that stuff could happen. Yeah. What's amazing is how far off the mark you are, Lulu. Oh, guys. <laughs> now I'm wondering which ones, which ones come true. No, Lulu, we're telling you, you're off the mark. Oh, you're yeah. trying to throw me off. And you're I know way it. off, way so, off the mark. You're all nebbish. It, well, I feel like it's a nebbish, not an adjective. Oh. And I feel like the ultimate nebbish, there's the model of all nebbishes, is Woody Allen. I think of Woody Allen as being a guy who's like just, you know, weak and ineffectual. So all Judd Hirsch does, the whole movie is like, oh, great. So now you work for the cable company. And oh, yeah, okay. Air Force One, you bet. Oh, Area 51. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> he's not contributing anything at any point. He's the one who said the ground was cold. Get up off that cold ground. And that's where the idea for the virus came from. Literally, the only thing he did to contribute to that was say, hey, you're going to catch your death of cold. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't say, I wonder if we could make them sick. He's currently holding hands with the most irritating character in the film, too. Yeah. He's there for comedic color. Speaking of comedic colors, Joe Parsons, where can people find more of you around? Well, gosh, these days, Master Pancake is doing shows on Twitch, and they are a lot of fun. We just watched uh, The Little Mermaid. That was a treat. 
But there's uh, if you go to Instagram, Facebook, all the socials to look for Master Pancake Theater, that is where you will find information about where shows can be seen. Outstanding. Tyler? I've been plugging Comedy Sports Austin for a while, but we're going on a brief hiatus while we regroup and figure out if it's time to maybe bring back live shows. So no shows from us. But I will say, Kenny, that if we have any super fans who are in the Austin area and would like to watch sort of a culmination with us, we're going to on Monday, June 28th, 2021 at 730 p.m. Go see this movie at the Paramount. Um, as that's when we're going to be kind of wrapping up and Lulu can see the full thing in front of a full audience, giant screen and have all the oohs and ahs uninterrupted. Unless I'm able to talk to the projectionists and just be able to bribe them enough. We'll show four minutes, talk for a while, show four minutes, mm-hmm. talk for a while. Come back a week later, watch the next four minutes. <laughs> I will say one of the things this movie does really well, Lulu, is that the pacing in this movie is pretty great. Yeah, Lulu, does this feel like a super long movie to you right now? No. I mean, yes and no, but no, it moves. It, the pace is fast. Like we don't spend any very much time ever in one scene with one set of characters. Yeah. We're pretty much covering a brand new scene every, every week. Like multiple within four minutes, we go to m- many locations. It, it does the star Wars thing where it shows, you know, three different scenes happening at the same time when there's a lot of action. Kenny, can people find you anywhere on the internet or in person? Uh, you can listen to me on one of my other podcasts, including LassoCast, where we are covering the television show Ted Lasso. I believe the last episode that we just put up is our fantasy draft episode, where we make some predictions about what's going to happen in season two of Ted Lasso. And also, you can hear me on Shame Watch, where we cover guilty pleasure, pop culture. But most importantly, Lulu, where can people find you? In my car. Driving my children back and forth to all of their many summer activities mm. and giving up my own life. Yep, I hear that. Uh, do you feel as despondent as Lulu? Then participate in other summer activities such as leaving a review or rating on iTunes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that can certainly make you much happier than Lulu as she slowly slinks out of frame and puts her head on the microphone just in sheer depression. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we survive on word of mouth, and so the more rates and reviews that you leave on uh, various podcatchers, the more inclined that we are to continue. Thank you so much for listening to ID4 Minutes at a Time, but of course, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. I've never heard it referred to as Vivica A plus Fox.